I want to talk today, and you may think this wouldn't apply to you, but I promise you, when you hear the message God's put on my heart, you will say, no, it did apply to me. I want to talk today about the call of God. And you say, well, what are you talking about when you talk about the call of God? I'm talking about very simple. You know, we make it sound like some, you know, mystique thing. The call of God is simply talking about God tells people to do certain things. That's, that's what you're talking about. The Spirit of God makes clear to people in various different ways what it is they're to do with their life. Now, if you're in some Bible reading plan, and I hope you are, Whatever plan you are in, probably some of your reading is in the book of Genesis. Every year in January, we all start reading the book of Genesis. Well, if that be the case, I want you to open your Bible, whether you're in a Bible reading plan in Genesis or not, to Genesis chapter number six. I want to show you an example of what I'm talking about. One day, God called a man named Noah to build a large boat, an ark. And you see it in Genesis chapter six in verse 13. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now look in verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. So God called a man named Noah, and he told him what to do. Now, as you read only the Bible, in fact, turn over a few pages to chapter number 12. In Genesis chapter number 12, God called a man named Abraham. Look at it in verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So God told Abraham, I want you to leave your homeland and you're going to go to a land and I'll tell you where it is later. But that's what he called Abraham to do. Now, we'll not turn in our Bibles for time's sake, but if we fast forward a little bit over in Exodus chapter 3, God called Moses at the burning bush, and he told Moses, what I want you to do, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my children out of their bondage. A little later on in the book of Exodus, God called Moses and his brother Aaron, and he said, what I want you to do, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt and lead them to the promised land. Well, as you read on in the Bible, God called a man named Isaiah, and he said to Isaiah, "Uh, I'm calling you to be a prophet. God called a man named Jeremiah before he was ever even born. The Bible says Jeremiah was still in his mother's womb, and God called him to be another one of his prophets. God called a man named Jonah. You're familiar with that story. He told Jonah, he said, I want you to go down, get a ticket, get on the boat, and go to Nineveh and preach righteousness to those evil people. Well, of course, it's another sermon for another time, but Jonah did the very opposite of that. Well, God called a man named Paul. One day, Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, was heading to Asia to preach the gospel. And God said, no, I don't want you to go to Asia. I want you to go to Europe. We know that is the Macedonian call. 
Paul saw this man in Macedonia. That was the word that that man in that vision gave the apostle Paul. God called a man named Peter. Peter was in Joppa. And God said, Peter, what I want you to do, I want you to leave where you are. I want you to go over here to Caesarea. That's Caesarea by the Mediterranean Sea. And there's a man there named Cornelius. And Peter did just exactly what God called him to do. He shared with Cornelius about Jesus. And Cornelius and Gentile people heard the gospel. And Cornelius was saved. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And then... As I think about that, and if you think about that, in your mind, you may say, well, now look, all that's in the Bible. Long time ago, question, does God call people today? Does God call people today? And the answer, absolutely, absolutely, God calls people today. You say, how do you know? Well, I've I've had people that have been dear to me that I've seen God call them to do various things. Now, I'm not talking about just being a preacher or a pastor or a missionary or a minister. No, if you looked at your bulletin, I mentioned where the Bible talks about uh, there's, God has his eye and he has those with his hands and their feet, their head. The body of Christ is made up of many different gifts that God has given. God calls some of us to be ministers. God calls others to do other things. And it's a beautiful thing, like in the church, to see how God uses all the different people with all the gifts and abilities he's given them, and they come together, and the pastor leads the people, and the work of God gets done in a beautiful, beautiful way. Now, you say, well, how do you know that's true? Well, in my own life, I know it's true. I was 27 years of age, in the business world, had been married four years, had never, ever, ever given even a thought to being a preacher. I grew up in the church. I did. But it never entered my mind that one day I would be a preacher. I was faithful in the church. When Dottie and I were married, we taught a Sunday school class together in the church. Dottie was really more active in church growing up than I was. Her family was more active in church than my family. But nonetheless, it never entered my mind that one day God would call me to be a preacher. I had friends that were pastors. I had friends that were ministers, but I never thought anything about that at all. But one day I learned in a personal way what the call of God is like. And someone says, well, how did you know? Did, did you have some kind of vision that said you were to be a preacher? No. Did God speak to you audibly? No. Did an angel come, as you read about in the Bible, and say, this is what you're to do? No. You say, well, how did you know? Now picture, I'm 27 years of age. I'm married. I'm in business with family in the very area I grew up, thought I'd be there the rest of my life. And what happened? Well, God, God put inside of me an inward understanding would be how I would explain it. You say, you're talking about he put a feeling in you. Well, 
Yeah, there was a feeling, feeling to that. We can't live by feelings. I mean, some days you feel this and some days you feel that. If you live your life doing just what you feel, you know, you'll, you'll get it right some, you'll get it wrong some. No, it's more than a feeling. It was an inner understanding, a a feeling to some degree, but stronger than just a human feeling. You you just this this thing becomes so powerful that you realize that it's not a feeling you're having, it's a word from God that He's given, and it becomes such a strong thing that you realize this is what God wants me to do. Like my family didn't call me to be a preacher. Nobody in our church called me to be a preacher. Uh, nobody, when I was growing up, said, I believe one day you'll be a preacher. I never heard that. I never heard that. But yet, there was a point. You, it didn't just all happen one day. It was a kind of a growing thing, and I realized this is what God wanted me to do. And, of course, what happened was it changed our life. We had been in this one area all of our life. Now, what did we do? Well, we had to get out of the business world. We had to sell our home and we had to go to seminary. We moved to Fort Worth, Texas. John was six months old when we moved to Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> we, we didn't know. I'd never been to Texas. Ever in my life had I ever been to Texas. I never thought about going to Texas. In fact, I didn't really know where Texas was. I just knew it was a big old place somewhere. But anyway, we moved to Texas knowing not one person and yet, inside of us, with all the confidence in the world, we were doing what God had put in our heart to do. So, I say to you, sometimes you'll have a thought, maybe I ought to do this, or you have a, and maybe you should. But when God calls you to do something, whatever it may be, it could be to teach a class, it could be to help in this way, do this, do that, do yonder, but it will be it will become so strong that you realize with my life, this is what I'm to do at this time in this situation. Now that said, I want to give you today uh, two or three things. If you have a bulletin, you can jot them down. If you don't have a bulletin, you can just write a little word or two down. It'll help you. I want to give you two or three things about, about the call of God that I think will be helpful. Number one, the call of God is personal. The call of God is personal. You remember those people I mentioned earlier? I talked about Noah. I talked about Abraham. I talked about Moses. I talked about Moses and Aaron. Uh, I talked about Isaiah. Now, God didn't call Jeremiah personally. Jeremiah never had been born when God called him. Jonah, that was a personal call. Paul was a personal call. Peter was a personal call. And then I think about Samuel. If you want to read something interesting in 1 Samuel chapter 3, God called Samuel four times before Samuel ever figured it out. The first time he called him, he thought Eli the priest had called him. He got up out of bed and went to Eli. He said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Number two time, go back to bed. Number three time, go back to bed. I didn't call you. On the fourth call that God called Samuel, he called him twice. He said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel knew it was not Eli. He knew it was a priest. He had that inward understanding, and God gave him his assignment. I think about Saul before he became the apostle Paul on the Damascus Road. God called him. He called his name twice. He said, Saul, Saul, 
Why are you persecuting me? And Saul knew he fell down. A bright light shone and he fell down. And, and God began to work in him in a very special way and worked out uh, clarifying his call as you read on in that story. God speaks to our heart. It's a personal thing. Now, most of you are Christians. I, you would agree with me. <laughs> Others may have talked to you about being a Christian. Others may have told you how to become a Christian. You may have heard a sermon on how to become, whatever it may be. But the fact is, every Christian listening to me, you had a call from God at some point that was personal. For me, I was a little boy in church on Sunday morning. And I was about seven and a half years of age. And I had a feeling inside of me like I'd never had in all my life. It's just, it's indescribable. And that feeling was that God wanted me to ask Jesus to come into my heart and make me a Christian. Well, I didn't do anything in the church service. I didn't know what to do. But when we went home, I told my mother my experience at church, my feeling. And she talked to me a little bit. And she said, I think best we get the pastor to come one day next week, if he can, and visit with you and talk to you about this. And that following Saturday, he came to our home and sat down in our little front room. And he took his Bible and opened it up and went through his Bible and showed me. But the point I make is, it happened on that Sunday morning. I had that feeling. Now, that, that Saturday, he led me to pray. But I believe... Well, both that that Sunday and the Saturday, I don't know how to separate the two, but it was a personal thing. I've never forgotten that feeling. Interestingly, when God called me in the ministry, that same feeling, it was the exact same feeling that developed inwardly in me in such a way that I had as a little boy. And I'll share a thing in a moment where the feeling was the very same thing to help me know other things that God was calling me to do. So I'm saying to you that God's call is a very specific, it's a very personal call. Not only that, God's call into the ministry is personal. God called me into the ministry. And, and that's been such a helpful thing to me to know that this is what God told me to do. It's not what somebody else told me to do. Second thing that'll help you, God's call is specific. God's call is specific. Those people I mentioned in the very beginning of my sermon, Noah, Abraham, Moses, all those, it was a very specific thing God told them to do. He told Jonah, go to Nineveh. <laughs> Every one of them. He, Noah, build this ark. Here's how you're to build it. Very specific. God's call is very, very specific. Now, before I ever dealt with this church, I was at First Baptist Church in Sulphur Springs, Texas. In fact, it was about two years before I ever even knew anything about this church. But we'd been in Sulphur Springs several years, and the First Baptist Church in Irving, Texas, I had never told this story until I told it in the first service this morning, but that's the first time I ever told this story about that church. Irving, Texas, it's, it's like kind of part of Dallas area. If you're a cowboy fan, and there are fewer and fewer of them today as time goes on, but uh, there's John and two or three more that are still cowboy fans. But anyway, you know, they have that stadium they built. They left a hole in the roof. You've heard the story. They, they claim it got, they did that so God would look down on the deal. Well, 
They've moved their stadium over to Arlington, Texas now, and evidently God's not looking down on that deal. I don't know, that's just believing it alone. But Irvin, Texas, the First Baptist Church, Irvin, Texas, they came down to Sulphur Springs. I did not know they were there. Their committee came for several times. And so one Sunday after the service, a man walks up to me, introduces himself and says, I'm the chairman of the pastor search committee of the First Baptist Church, Irvin. And he said, our committee has been here several times and we would like to visit with you and your wife about the possibility of coming to be pastor of our church, First Baptist Church in Irvine. Well, now, Irvine being part of Dallas area, we were very familiar with the Dallas area then. We were 80 miles, Sulphur Springs, about 80 miles from Dallas. We went to Dallas a lot. When I was in seminary in Fort Worth, we went to Dallas a lot. So back in those years, I knew my way around Dallas. Today, if you think construction's bad here, you need to go up there. Now, you may never find your way back here. It is one more uh, quagmire, I'll tell you that. But anyway, I'm sure if you live there, it's not. But for an outsider, it is. Okay. We were very familiar with that area. And we dealt with this church on several meetings we had. And finally, one weekend, they wanted us, my whole family, to come uh, Friday night. And they were going to do some things with John and Joel. And uh, John and Joel remember that experience well. And they were going to meet with Dottie and me for a couple of hours or more. And then after that meeting, they brought John and Joel back. And we went back to the hotel where we were staying in, in Las Colinas. Very nice place. And when we got back to the hotel, John and Joel went on to the room. And Dottie and I sat down in the lobby to discuss this whole thing. Now, now, hear me carefully. I want to tell this correctly. I guess the best way to explain, in the flesh, I really wanted to go to that church. For a lot of reasons, mainly I was familiar with the area. I thought we, I, we'd be happy here. I really did want to go to the church. But in my spirit, I, I, I couldn't ever come to the conviction, this is what God was calling me to do. And I've been dealing with this thing for quite a while. And Dottie and I just said, we've got to, we've got to come to some conclusion. We, we, just, we can't keep doing this. We, we, either we need to go to the church or don't go to the church. Now, in that discussion, in the lobby of that hotel, I, was, I burst out crying like a baby. I did. I just, I just cried. I wanted to do something, but I didn't feel like that's what God wanted me to do. I was kind of having a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Do any of you ever have these kind of experiences? Is it just me? You, you always just want to do everything God wants you to do? Well, now come, come. But be that as it may, I finally told the committee after that night, we went back to South Springs the next week. I said, I, I thank you for even considering us but I don't feel this is what God's calling us to do. Well, about two years later, I'm out in Mineral Wells, Texas, preaching a revival. And I'm in this little motel out there after the service one night. Now, some of you will find this hard to believe. This was in the day before cell phones. You said, how old are you? <laughs> well, believe it or not, students, there used to be life without cell phones. 
Could I have an amen to that? Does anybody remember? Yeah. And it might be a better life today if you want to. That's another sermon. I'll leave it alone. Leave it alone. But my phone rang in the hotel room and I picked the receiver up and the voice said, is this Dr. Redman? I said, yes, it is. He said, my name is Bobby Mills. And he said, I called your wife earlier to get permission to call you out there in this revival you're in. Will you have time to visit on the phone? I said, yes. He said, well, I'm, I'm chairman of the pastor search committee of First Baptist Church Pasadena. And he said, our committee has been in your church several Sundays, and we really feel like God is leading us to meet with you and Dottie and talk to you about being the pastor of our church. We, we want to see if you'd be open to that. Well, I just was startled by the whole thing. Really, I never had quite got over the Irving deal. And I said, well, I'm, I'm humbled you, you feel this way, but I said, I need to think about this and need to pray about this. And he said, well, I, I, that's good. He said, I, I'll call you back in a couple of weeks. And he did. Well, long story short, we started our interaction about coming here. We had come down to visit and we'd have these meetings and I... You know, I just, I loved where I was in Sulphur Springs. I mean, I love Sulphur Springs, okay? Uh, there's nothing I wouldn't do for that church. I say this to them when I go back to preach. They love us to death now. I say, had you loved us that much when we were there, we never would have left. They love us after we left, okay? No, that's not true. They loved us when they were good. You know, boys were growing up there. We just loved them. But just, so I had that human part of me. And I just, finally, I just said to the First Baptist Church of Pasadena, after several months of going through all that, I, I, just, I just don't feel this is what God's calling me to do. And so y'all need to just find whoever it is, but it's not me. And we kind of ended that thing. I'm on, one Thursday morning, probably two months or more after that, I'd forgotten this church. I thought, I, you know, they, they're, they're out finding somebody else. I just, I did, that wasn't what God told me to do. One Thursday, one Thursday afternoon, about four o'clock, I'm walking through the worship center four o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. And nobody was in the worship center to my knowledge but me. And all at once, something inside of me said, drop down here to the altar and pray about Pasadena. Well, next thing I know, I'm, I'm, on, I'm down here to pray about Pasadena. And I start praying a prayer I don't believe in this kind of praying. I started telling God what to do. Do you ever do that? I started throwing out a fleece, and I don't believe in throwing out fleeces. Now, I know Gideon threw out a fleece. I understand that, but I'm not Gideon. I'll tell you the problem with throwing out a fleece. Like two out of three, God, I'm a, if two out of three happens, well, then something, it, you say, well, I, I tell you what to do, God. Let's do a three out of five. Let's do a four out of seven. I mean, there's no end to throwing out fleeces. You just keep throwing them out until you get what you want. Well, I'm down here on my knees praying, and I prayed, and I didn't tell this in the first service because I have previously told it, but many of you have never heard it, and John encouraged me to tell this. What I prayed was, now it's Thursday afternoon, 4 o'clock, 
I said, God, if you want me to go to Pasadena to be the pastor, Sunday, send their pulpit committee back unannounced. Now, boy, that's telling, that's letting God know how to handle this thing. I mean, I bet God said, man, I've got me a genius down there. Well, when I prayed that, it, it, like I, I got up off my knees and I thought, I am, that church, I'm losing my mind over this First Baptist Church, Pasadena. Now, many of you would agree I've lost my mind, but anyway, I, I, I just thought, I forget it. That, that's not how God does business. I went on and did what I was to do. Don't really know more even about my prayer until Sunday morning, second service. I'll never forget it. I had forgotten that prayer. Second service, Sunday morning, I sit down in the chair on the platform where I would sit, and I look, and I see a member of the pulpit in the first service of Pasadena. I look over here at another. They scatter around like spies is what they do. <laughs> they don't want anybody to pick them out, you know. I broke out in a sweat because that morning, I knew I was going to go be pastor of this church. Now, I share that to say this. Listen to me carefully. In all 34 years, through everything we've gone through here, much of it's been hard, most of it's been great. But in all of it, not one time, not one time, not one time have I ever doubted my call to come to this church. And my call has been my sustaining strength. And I really believe many ministers make a big mistake because when we interview ministers and they, those that are involved with me, when we're hiring staff, they know good and well, they're going to ask all these other things that need to be asked. But they, they know before the meeting starts, before that little interview's over, old Dr. Redmond is fixing to come in about this call. Because what I believe, if a person doesn't believe God's called them to do something, they won't make it. They may make it for a while, but they won't make it. That's true for ministers. That's true for whatever you're in, in life. Whatever God's gifted you to do, if you think that's what God's called you to do, you'll stick with it because it was a specific call that came from God. I'll tell you another thing that'll help you. God's call is progressive. It's not only personal. It's not only specific. God's call is progressive and how very important that is. Norman Vincent Peale, who for over 50 years was pastor of Marble Collegiate Church in New York City, used to say, following the will of God is like following the beam of a flashlight through a dark forest trail. You have to take a step before the beam moves to the next step and another step before it moves to the next step. You see, here's the deal. You sit there and say, well, God's never called me to do anything. Well, think that through. If you think God's never called you to do anything, you have not read anything in your Bible. In the Bible, God says we're to forgive people. In the Bible, God says we're to pray. In the Bible, God says we're to tithe. In the Bible, it says we're to be soul winners. I mean, the Bible is filled with things that we as Christians are to do. God says, this is what I'm calling you to do. But here's how it works. If you don't take that next step and do what God says, he will never tell you the next step or the next step. So you say, well, I don't know that God's ever called me to do anything. Then you need to back up and look at the things in the Word of God that God's called all of us to do, and when we're obedient with that, and we will never be until, listen carefully, until we're emptied of our sin, 
and filled with God's Spirit. That's how it works. If we're emptied of our sin and we're filled with God's Spirit and we'll just keep taking step by step, obeying what we already know from God's Word, God will make very, very clear what God would have us do. Now, here's the exciting thing to me. Here it is, 34 years. 34 years behind us. We're now working in year 35. And I am grateful and humbled and thankful for all the journey, the good things God's done and the things God has let us be part. But listen carefully. My focus is not on reflecting on the past. My focus is looking forward to the future. And I want to share quickly what it is I'm so excited about. I'm more excited about the future today than I was our future 34 years ago today. I really am. Number one, I'm excited. And one of the things, one of my future goals is in the years ahead, I want to be as personally close to God as I can be. I hope you have that same desire. But I think about that. I think about the things I must do to be closer to God than I've ever been all my life. That's one of the things that has me excited that I can do that. And you can do the very same thing if you want to. And then you'll not just sit around and say, I want to. You do the things you have to do to make that happen. Number two, I'm excited about leading all the people I can in our church to be closer to God than they've ever been in all of their life. That's, that's my job. That's why we encourage you, have a Bible reading plan. Have a quiet time. All these things we encourage you to do. What I want to do is better than I've ever done, encourage every member of our church to do what they need to do to be closer to God than they've ever been in all of their life. And one day, I will stand before God and I will have to give an account how I did that. I love that verse in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. That is my job. You know, we had this freeze and I, I text a member of our church and said, look, this freeze is coming and I need some help with something. Some of it I, I can't do very good. Some of it I don't know how to do. Could you please help me? And they text back and said, we'll take care of it. And they did. And then when I found out it had all been taken care of, I sent them a text to thank them. I want to read you my text. I said, thank you for doing what I can't do so I can do what God called me to do. That's exactly what was happening. Later on that night, they responded to my text, and I want to read you what they said. They said, Pastor... Feed and take care of the sheep. Now listen carefully. Have us ready to meet the king and lay our crowns at his feet. I thought, wow, that's what I want to do. I want my church people, I want to do everything I can as pastor of the church to help you do what you need to do to be as close to God as you can be. So one day when you receive your crowns, you won't trot around heaven wearing crowns you'll take your crown and lay them at the feet of Jesus. And that is an awesome responsibility I have 
that's an awesome responsibility any pastor has that pastors your shepherd the flock that is among you. You know, I didn't say this in the first hour either, but one reason I don't get involved in so many denominational things, which years ago I did. I've been in it all. <laughs> I've been in it all. I, look, God called me to pastor a church. And so I just said, look, I don't have time to go to all these meetings and figure out all these places. I, I have more to do trying to pastor my church than I can do. And so, but now let me tell you what that did. I'm kind of labeled as a, uh, an outside guy. I don't want to do this and I don't want to go to that and do all that kind of stuff. Look, God called me to pastor a church and sermon for another time. I'll tell you who helped me see this, my wife. And the way she did it was brutal. And I can't tell you how it was done for you would tell her and I'll be in serious trouble at home. But in an airport, I'll tell you this much, in New Orleans, in an airport, leaving a denominational thing, she gave me my, no, she gave me her marching orders. She said, you need to figure out what you want to do with your life, whether you want to be involved in all this stuff or get down past in and past to the church where God sent us, and you can't do both. Now, there are men that can, and, uh, you know, my hat's off to them. That's just not what God called me to do. And I have devoted most all my 34 years here in that way. But be that as it may. Third thing, to reach as many people in our community as we can reach for the glory of God with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, they're all out there. We had a glimpse on Christmas Eve this room, couldn't get all the people in. Chapel, out in the commons. I know it was Christmas Eve. You can say what you want. Those are real live people, and they're out there. There are more people out there about us today that don't go anywhere to church, many of which don't know to Jesus. And if they don't know Jesus, why would they go to church? If I didn't know Jesus, I wouldn't want to go to church. Go down and hear about heaven, hell, and I'm not sure about that. Might be afraid I wouldn't go to heaven, whatever. Here I'm a sinner. I don't hear that. So, but I'm saying that is my job. And I'm excited about the opportunity of doing that. And then to expand the gospel beyond the walls of our church, beyond anything we've ever done. We're doing a lot. But I'm telling you what, we can move even beyond what we're doing. And I'm, I'm excited about that. Now, the call of God, listen carefully. One day, God's call will be homeward. And every one of you, your home will either be heaven forever or hell forever. That's how it ends. That's how it ends. That's how it ends. The homeward call. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, <laughs> he said, you know, broad is the road that leads down. Narrow is the road to eternal life in heaven. And he said, there are going to be many on the wide, broad road. There are going to be few. That's his words. Many, few. My question to you this morning is, one day, you're going to have your homeward call. I was reminded of that yesterday. Two funerals yesterday, 11 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Two of our members, homeward call. It's coming. Now, are you sure where you're going? I hope you are. I hope you are. 
I want you to bow with me for if you're not, we can settle that this morning. It may be you say, well, pastor, I, you know, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm not sure. Well, this morning, if you just pray in your heart to the heart of God, you can settle that. Maybe you've never asked Jesus at all into your heart. Maybe you've never had an experience. Maybe you've had religion. But this morning, that, that indescribable feeling that I had as a little boy in a church service on Sunday morning, inside, I just knew that God was saying to me, you need to become a Christian. You need to trust Jesus. You need to ask God to forgive you of your sins. If this morning you're having a feeling like that, it's not me. It's God. It's God. I can't put that feeling in you. I can get you to think about it. But only the Holy Spirit of God convict of sin. And this morning, if you say, I think I'm in that group, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you this morning, forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I ask you to come into my life and make me a Christian. And I trust you, Jesus, to save me. Thank you today, God. I know now where my homeward call will be. Now, others, probably many others, would say, you know, I'm just not 100% sure. I'm 90% sure. I'm 98% sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Oh, hear me. You can be 100% sure. The Bible says you can know that you have eternal life. You say, I want to, I want to know. I'm not 100%. Then I say to you, settle your salvation this morning. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, maybe I'm a Christian, maybe not. I'm confused. But God, either way, today I settle my salvation. If I've never before, I'm asking you now, God, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a Christian. I trust you, Jesus, for my salvation. I settle that today and forever. In your precious name, I pray.